I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, it's that time of year again. Welcome one and all um, to the one and only cult popsha podcast uh where every year around the silly season um myself aj my best friend uh richard and my frenemy jeremy (laughs) (laughs) uh, we get together to discuss the various uh low budget often low effort christmas offerings that have been gifted to us so kindly uh, by usually Netflix, and we called it Netflixmas. Everyone would ask us every year, "Is Netflixmas happening yeah, this you're, year?" You're and we're always the lead here, AJ, is that we've we've we're... been denying the return of Netflixmas, and now uh, yeah, it's not back. Well, it's not back. <laughs> fuck you! Read the title of the podcast. Read the title of the podcast. If it's if it's mid midnight at on Monday mm. at in New Zealand, you went to your podcast mm. favorite podcast feed. And you didn't see a new episode from us because this episode's late as well. Giving you <laughs> further worry that Netflix miss isn't back. But we tricked mm. you, didn't we? We did trick you. Because dun, da, 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 da. Streamies Navidad. Streamies Navidad. Streamies Navidad. Netflix misses dead. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. I, yeah, I like in, this- in this podcast, we speak English, though. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some rudimentary Spanish lyrics just from Feliz Navidad still in. <laughs> well, including uh, the word Navidad, so, but okay. Mm. So that's true. But so we, we you know, in, in an effort to reduce the the cataclysmic and crushing workload that was Netflix just the ever increasing years, as well. We just, we thought that the best way to do that was to be less, uh, what's the word, strict mm. on what films we watch and open it up to the 2023 streaming season altogether. So we're watching films. We're going to be talking about films from Netflix, from Amazon Prime, from Disney Plus. Peacock. Disney Plus, there we go. Because, um, but the difference is, the difference between Netflixmas and Streamies Navidad is that much like Christmas in real life, as you get older, it just stops being as much of a priority and mm. it becomes very stressful to get everything done in time and your stops being efforts... Fun. <laughs> it, st- it does stop being It becomes fun, a lot Richard. more effort as well. The, the effort to fund ratio yeah. gets shifted in the other direction. Yeah, exactly. Well, also, I have to I have to say that the the really funny thing is that the reason we decided to end Netflixmas was because there was this sort of this onslaught. It was like algorithmically increasing like yeah. exponentially every yeah. year. Like last year we had like 10 or 12. The yeah. F- yeah, the first year yeah. we did it, I think there were like three Netflix films yeah. and then the next year there were six and then there were eight and then one year there were 12 and we were like, we can't mm. do this anymore. What's really great about this year is that this year, literally Netflix has only produced, I think, two 
Netflix movies? Two sort of like, <laughs> I think they have a couple that they buy from other markets and stuff like that. Like, how there would always be one random Norwegian film. I think they still have a couple of those. But this year we've kind of just gone for the uh, the blockbuster streaming yeah. Christmas films. But what is great about what you're pointing out there, Jeremy, because it means that if we hadn't cancelled Netflix, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like we said, we were last year was Hundy. last Netflix, absolutely. But if we hadn't cancelled it, we would have, <laughs> gentlemen, had less films to watch than the films we had to watch for streamies Navidad. However, we did not all watch all of them. Mm. That is the new concession that we're involving in um, Streamies Navidad. That's the difference. So it's going to be less like we all go through the movies that we all saw and more like I thought maybe we come... What have you brought for Streamies Navidad? Yeah, it's Navi more like da, a Christmas know? Which potluck. film have yeah. you brought? Yeah, it, yeah. It's not exactly, like everyone exactly. gets a present for everyone else. We're doing more of like a secret Santa. What have you brought? <laughs> it goes into the pile and it gets divvied up. Yeah, and you just spend a lot more on that one present or that one movie. You know, you spend yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, more yeah, of yeah. your attention on one movie. You know, yeah. yeah. Although Jeremy yeah. has the the Christmas completionist himself has come to this yeah. podcast. I think having watched almost every film we've talked about, there's one that you didn't, and that AJ didn't even finish, and I didn't watch. So <laughs> that will presumably get the least amount of time spent on it. You would it's hope Christmas, so, baby. But the yeah, I, I mean, to be honest. We we talk. We, you've been talking a lot about how you know the 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 joy in your heart for next Christmas. Next Christmas has been going, and um and every year you're sort of getting older and wiser and sadder. And I'm like, mm. no, it's bloody awesome every year. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, so, the thing is, Jimmy, you're <laughs> older than us, so you're currently we're in the valley at the moment. We're, you're too it's cool. Good having you're you too here. Cool for it. Knowing that you that there is something on the other side as we reach your. <laughs> older age you also have another child every year or some at some kind of rate like that jeremy and so i you are reliving the wonder days of Mm. christmas through your children i don't Mm. have shit is this is this the time to tell you that jim is pregnant again yes oh good okay i just assumed yeah 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 yeah. june march the 8th (laughs) nice is this three or four (laughs) i genuinely can't remember Three. He's holding up three. Three. Fingers. Number three. Inexplicably signing three on an audio podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, cool. So, shall we get started? Hopefully, it's one I haven't seen, so I can not talk for a little bit. Well, so <laughs> as is tradition here, we and I think at least just to start us off, what we normally do is we go countdown to our worst. Uh, yeah, three, two, one. We all say the worst film we watched, and then that's mm-hmm. a little bit. Of we keep going through until we end up finishing on talking about the best film we watched. Um, yeah, I think that at least to start off with, yeah, let's still do that one. So let's do it. We're gonna say three, two, one, and then let's all say the name of the worst film we watched. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Best, best Christmas, Christmas ever. ever. Okay, good. I, uh, I, I knew a, we would all have the same one. It is the best Christmas ever. <laughs> so, best Christmas ever. It was ever, the worst. This is the <laughs> the classic Netflixmas one. This is this is this year's Castle for Christmas, or that's it. That's it. Literally, the only one I can remember of this <laughs> genre. But where it's like one star you recognize, 
who's potentially fallen on some hard times in real life and is doing a Netflix Christmas movie. And it's 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 a Hallmark movie. It's the very sappy sort of romance type thing. And it's what you think of when you're thinking of when we used to do Netflixmas. Yeah. And one of the reasons we stopped doing Netflixmas is the overwhelming majority of films started to not feel like this. And we were like, well, what are we even yeah, doing yeah. here? Do people care about my feelings on a... What a like Ukrainian action Christmas movie. I don't know. I don't know if people care Christmas what I thought of that. <laughs> the, so the um, best Christmas ever. Does anyone want to take a plot synopsis here? I'll do right. it. I'll do right. it. No, AJ, you do it. Oh, do you want to with... do it, Jeremy? No, no, no. You're filled with Christmas loathing, and this is the worst one. So I think that your your cool. energy will yeah, match yeah, yeah. the horror that. Is All right, this movie. help me. Help me fill in the blanks, though. Do interrupt me if there's an important thing we need to discuss. So, our main characters, Heather Graham I ju- and her I just, husband. I just want to stop you there, AJ. Uh, yeah. You've missed... It is Christmas as well. You should mention that. Did I... What? <laughs> it's Christmas time. Mm. And Heather Graham and her doting husband, Jason Biggs, um, <laughs> they are feeling very jealous of... Or no, Heather Graham's feeling jealous of like a distant friend she has Mm. uh, because her, judging by her Christmas cards uh, that she sends out to all her uh, friends that don't talk to her anymore, her life is perfect. She's got a hot husband. She's got a hot husband. She's got a mansion. She's got an alive son. Yeah, a son that is is well and alive and well. Who is this person Um, played by? This is not Brandy herself. Oh yeah, of yeah. the boy Brand- is mine and Moesha fame. I mean, come on, you can't be all excited about Heather Graham and not get on the brandy train. I apologize profusely. Um, <laughs> not so, only to you, Jeremy, but to brandy fans everywhere. So Heather Graham's kid finds out about this dope ass house that um, her friend lives in, and that Brandy lives in, and um, they're they're going to like. Where are they going for Christmas? They're going to her sister's house, mm. but the the kid types in the uh, the address of this fancy friend's house, and they wind up there instead, just uh, driving to like thing... a different state or something by accident. They meant they meant mm. to be going to um, Heather Graham's sister's house, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. Uh, and so the two yeah, couples. Oh, sort sorry, of reluctantly... you haven't mentioned you haven't mentioned the most important character of the entire movie, the stuffed monkey, the stuffed monkey. Whose Dr. name is Bananas or whatever it's called? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that what monkey man! Name? Oh, so awful. <laughs> and it's it's a, it's it's annoying because it's a, it's used as a plot device several times as mm. well. So it's just like, why are they late? Oh, because of the kid's stuffed monkey, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, this movie uh, also ends with a a classic Netflix Messian implication that santa is real mm. um, which is starting next to um the magic meter on the sleigh going down is starting to rise in terms of like uh really commonly seen but really specific ideas mm. in these kinds of movies is oh, an also- old bearded man giving the hero a knowing wink before magically disappearing <laughs> and, just, and just magically being there to do one task that like sort of just needed to kind of be done but wasn't that important it was like, <laughs> oh, i'm here i'm here the other one yeah. of the other like random netflix like shitty tropes about these movies is they have a countdown of how many days it is to christmas and this one has it baby nice (laughs) i I still want to do a netflixmas podcast where the three of us improvise a 90 minute film (laughs) film. 
So um, the climax of the film has um, Heather and Brandy in a hot air balloon, a plot-relevant hot air balloon. A solar-powered hot air balloon because uh, Brandy's dead son was like an environmentalist. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Did we, did um, we, and they, sorry, AJ, did you go through the fact that like we didn't know that the sun was dead, etc.? I'll cover broad strokes and then f- how about this, Jeremy? First thing we'll talk about after I finish the synopsis. I'm so excited. Please, yeah, please go on. Yeah, cool. So the climax of the film, I think, needs to be brought up because it's Heather and Brandy in the solar-powered hot air balloon and they essentially try and fake a Santa sighting so that Heather Graham's kid will be restored in their belief of santa which will last two to three more years mm. i guess oh my gosh because <laughs> it's really brandy... important to keep that <laughs> because brandy's daughter is like some weird like harvard level child genius who like that's right despite the fact that she's a harvard level child genius who's doing like you know crazy math and everything is still like quite unsure still believes whether... in santa Still mm. believes in Santa, but she's like on a reporter. Yep. She's just decided that she's running an investigation as to whether or not Santa's real. And I'm like, can't be that much of a genius if you still have to run an investigation yeah. for it. And mm-hmm. so she's kind of if poisoned. If you still believe in magic, you idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's she's poisoned Heather Graham's son's mind. And so they mm. both the both the mothers have to kind of you know get together to yeah. try and prove their prove their actually intelligent children wrong. To get them to believe a lie for another couple of years. But then also they didn't have to because Santa is real. Yeah. (laughs) So I will say though, I think the idea of like a smart child and a dumb child doing an investigative Hmm. investigation, an an investigation into whether or not Santa is real. Great idea for maybe like a short film or something, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a smart child and a dumb child doing a podcast together for seven years. <laughs> Which one's which? I'll never tell because I don't know. Um, but the the like the fact that she is literally attending Harvard or whatever that discomforted me. I don't think that you should be able to go to an adult space, you know, like that if you're under the age of eighteen. I think it's very strange and a dangerous. Well, you think she's thing like joining learn. a sorority and stuff? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just not. A, it's, I don't know like, what happens like, at colleges. But gro- she, appear- up- she appears in one of those horrendous sorority videos where like the door opens yeah. and they're all like sitting yeah, there like, like bobbing <laughs> their hair. Yeah. Yeah. No, but but I'm more saying like like you, the age you are is not just about like how much general knowledge or your IQ is. You also d- develop with your peers and things. It's going to stunt this girl to put her in university. Hold that thought, AJ, for another Christmas film that we're going to talk about in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what a relevant plot point the sun's dead discuss yeah so the whole time they're like so, so there's this running theme throughout the film about these christmas letters and so brandy's family sends these letters just an update every year to all their close friends about how things are doing heather graham famously hates them so jason mm. biggs was keeping them from her and then he's like oh my god they have the secret correspondence because they used to date is that right Jason Biggs That's and Brandy. That's right, they yeah. used to date. And yeah. so... Or at least I think Brandy was really into... I think it's established that Brandy was really into Jason Biggs. Yeah, they, 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 have, a his, yeah. they have a history. Yeah. The, as we all were after watching American Pie. But the... The... Um, the son that's missing, it's like so obvious the whole film that the son is going to be dead. And then eventually when they have the whole, oh, your life's so perfect moment and Heather Graham realises, oh my God, 
I've just realized your son's probably dead, isn't he? He's not away on some mission. And then she says, well, yeah, it's just not something you put in in a, a Christmas card. And, oh, and the reckon, year, the year that he died, no, no, the year, the year that he died, we didn't send a newsletter out because I was so overwrought with grief. And then after that, it was like, oh, well, it's been too long since it happened, so we're not. You know. But then there's one thing of like not saying, hey, guys, last year my son died in the newsletter. There's quite another thing to be like. Hey guys, he's, he's my son's doing great work in Africa, which is what they say in the newsletter. She's like, my you know, my son's over in Africa doing really great work with his foundation, and it's like she's just like, oh, we 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 talked about the foundation as though it was him and the, all the work that the foundation was doing that we mm. did in his name, like so. I was like, no, no, you just no, that's not no, you just that's say not a satisfying way to lie about Merry that. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, AJ, in, in your explanation, I can't remember, but did you actually cover off like what happened when Heather Graham turned up at Brandy's house? Because like, her son uh, you, said... You're, you're taken, I bro, believe you some hijinks ensued, am I yeah, correct? Perhaps well, some <laughs> antics and some tomfoolery, maybe festively themed. Yeah, she gives she gives the letter, the new, the newsletter that, uh, that Brandy has sent her, and she's like shows it to her son, and he gets like the return address off of it and inputs it into the GPS before they go on their trip to her sister's house. And so they're driving, driving, yeah. driving. And also I'm just like, I'm so, oh no, that's right. Her sister is meant to have moved house. So they've never been there before, which is why it's not weird that like they go somewhere completely different because without knowing. Anyway, You're fixing a lot of plot house. holes in this film, Jeremy, for a film you claim to not have <laughs> they liked. You don't have to. You don't have to do this film, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they turn up to Brandy's house and it's like very late at night. And then, you know, the, um, Brandy answers the door and Heather Graham's like, oh crap, what? What are we doing here? And Brandy's super excited to see them and then basically insists that they stay the night because it's so late. And then, of course, as happens all the time in Christmas movies, the ne- they stay one night and they're definitely going home the next day but then of course it's like snow they're snowed in there mm. snows so much that night that they just can't leave but of course they can go to the market the christmas market like just that afternoon so yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. so they end up basically having to stay for christmas at brandy's super mansion mm. yeah and and heather graham's yeah. basically constantly trying to figure out like this can't be true and brandy's life can't be as perfect and and she's and then oh and she ends up like she it's like she's driven crazy by jealousy and like has has to find out like things just can't be all this good to the point where there's these locked rooms and she ends up kind of like sneaking away from everyone while they're out at the christmas markets coming back to the house and kind of rooting around and like drawers and trying to find their secrets she ends up like bursting her way into this attic um to try and Mm. snoop around and finds this like massive, massive model home that um, Brandy has spent hours and hours and hours making for her husband, whose mother was someone who made model homes, which is such a specific character point. Anyway, and so then, of course, they discover her in the attic, like rooting around. They're like, what's going on? There's a big confrontation. And then somehow Heather Graham ends up like smashing this like massive model home 
off the um off the table just after Brandy's talked about the fact that oh Brandy's husband's talked about the fact that it's really meaningful and like everyone's like oh what did you do you've ruined Christmas for everyone it's just that moment and then it mm. all gets forgotten it's the ruined Christmas moment that happens in every Netflix yeah. film yeah. I will yeah. say this about uh best Christmas ever and I'm uh, desperately trying to move on now but so final thoughts here guys but this film out of like all the Netflix movies the castle for Christmas and all that like that sort of genre this is probably one of the better ones to be honest <laughs> like it actually kind of held my attention if we were doing it has, it has brighter colors than castle for christmas <laughs> yeah, <yes>. yeah. <laughs> like if, if we were watching in like a normal Netflix Miss year and the like if we had the normal 10 films and like average out of quality this would probably be in the middle for me yeah i i know what you mean these these usually worse than this on netflix must i jeremy I, jeremy's giving a hilarious disgusted look which we can only see uh here he's not <laughs> i was ignoring it I was trying to ignore I, it too, I, but he wasn't he wasn't stopping. He either froze or he was just <laughs> still doing the pose. <laughs> I genuinely don't I just don't agree. Like okay, I agree if we're encounter if we're including things like David and the Elves, like yes, mm. this is better than David and the Elves. But if we're A talking film about I like have Castle no Christmas, recollection of existing. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, I'll, talking- I'll tell you right now that Richard is going to say, yeah, that's what I meant to any example you construct in which he is correct in what he just said. Okay? <laughs> so like, if you go, so- uh, it's only in the middle if we're counting these really bad ones we've all watched, and I think the answer, Jeremy, is, yeah, we are counting those <laughs> ones. <laughs> no, I don't think I Richard's think saying this is good. I think he's it- saying that, on the whole, these movies are terrible, and this is not as bad as The fact as that this is our new... Uh, like floor of quality is it is an improvement mm. over at least the last few years uh, i yeah i don't know i just that i wrote Go i wrote watch down David when i was Elves, watching Jeremy. this yeah yeah I, I, when i was watching this i wrote down all of these people are disconnected like character beats searching for a reason to be together like that mm. n- none of them made sense it's together beautiful. none of them did anything that made sense and like what was really crazy about it was production wise you could just mm. feel the pace at which this was done like it was like mm. it was so clear that there was only well, they, like they started time shooting for... in mid november i think really <laughs> <laughs> no just well like uh, that would yeah, presumably like, give them the deadline of christmas and you, you, you can extrapolate they would probably could, have to work quite speedily you could just tell that there was like one or two takes and then they were like cool move on we've got that yeah great no worries and like when when yeah, they it, had that, it's a, I could have made this kind of film. I agree. When, when, <laughs> when they had that, when they had that final, there was just no gloss on it, no magic whatsoever. You could just see the mechanics of filmmaking, mm. like on screen. And oh my goodness, that final like scene our, our when, they, when they're on the made. yeah when they're on the hot air balloon and like Brandy and Heather Graham are pretending to be like you know dozens of meters in the air like hanging in like great peril in this hot air balloon and they were just like and it was just i was like man both of these actresses have been in like major hollywood movies and like how would they have felt they've been in good stuff (laughs) how would they have felt on this day of shooting being like this is where my life has come to All right, my my final thoughts on Best Christmas Ever, beyond it being a lazy, boring title for a movie you could have called 
some kind of delicious pun about jealousy and Christmas. Or about like uh, the the getting to the wrong destination or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I thought that, th- that there's one point in this film where I thought, this could very easy pivot to a horror movie, and I was excited about that. You know, they're they're in this house with the seemingly perfect family, and there's doors you're not supposed to open. This is fertile ground, guys, for a a get out esque horror movie, right? Or there is also very fertile ground for a like swingers kind of mm. movie, which I then was oh, like, dude. this is what Brandy's the movie husband? should be. Yeah, Brandy's husband, one hundred percent. What point? That Brandy's husband is so hot that Heather Graham is all a fluster when talking to him. And the the steps it would take for this movie to get to a sex party, an orgy, a few. <laughs> there are a few steps Two or you three would three sentences. To take, <laughs> at most. And you have a horny Christmas movie, which I would have welcomed for the variety alone. Uh, and I think oh, just, this just is, for the variety. That this is this is a either a horror movie or an erotic movie without the horror or eroticism, basically. Oh, especially with Mr. Bananas. With. Mr. Bananas <laughs> could really have gone either way on that one. I, most of life's greatest experiences sit somewhere in that line between horror and horny, I think. Including the best Christmases ever. So where would the where would the magic cheese it mitts have um have gone in either of those genres? I have zero recollection of what you're referring uh, to. Heather Graham is an inventor, and oh, her one invention that we find out cheese about. Admits. <laughs> her one invention that we find out about is she invents gloves that allow you to eat like um, chips that have like, like flavor cheetos. on them. Yeah. That, that would yeah, that would normally get stuck to your fingers, and they are like you know they basically um, resist the sort of sticky residue, mm, and you can yeah. eat them. You can eat the stuff with these gloves, and it doesn't stick to anything. Great, which I'm like, mm. Great any stuff. glove would That's do just that. Gloves, any, yeah. <laughs> any glove, any glove would do that. You take the glove off, and your hands are clean. Like, but the the fact is that I think you don't have to wash the glove because the glove repels. Actually, repels the Cheeto dust. Anywho. But if you don't wash the glove, it's not going to be sanitary <laughs> when you eat I refuse to talk about this for a second longer, guys. Let's <laughs> move to the next film. Best Christmas ever. So, going... Uh, well, if we can go next in quality, I I, I have a definitive answer. Um, I don't know I've seen less films than all of you, so yeah. I don't know if my answer will, will match, but... Do we want to do the three, yeah, two, let's, one? The fuck I love doing the yeah, three, two, one. A, a dish. Okay. Alrighty. Three, two, one. The, the naughty, naughty nine. Family switch. Cool. Naughty nine. Peace out, AJ, gentlemen. Have, Tell me have about have the naughty break. nine. So the, the naughty <laughs> nine is a Christmas heist movie, AJ. About it. Oh, well, thank God I didn't watch it. I would have been so confused. Therefore... The running joke is completed, as is tradition. There we go. <laughs> it's a Christmas tradition. The So the Naughty Nine, yeah, it's a heist movie about a group of kids who didn't get jacked fucking shit for Christmas. And so <laughs> they they decide to pull off the ultimate heist. They go to, they team up, they go to North Pole. There's nine of them and they try to steal their presents. At the end, Santa appears, played by Danny Glover as well. And then the kid ends up on the nice list. There's one sort of like ringleader, the Danny Ocean of it all, if you will, uh, who is, uh, uh, to give him some credit, he, it's a little kid, but he is nowhere near the the charm or the grace of George Clooney. 
Like they, is George they had, in this they movie? had. No, no, he's in. He's Danny Ocean. <laughs> I wish. Uh, I wish. Yeah, they had. I don't they think had is not... George Clooney above a Netflixmas film? Yes. Oh yeah. Maybe now. I reckon in in like the two thousands, he would have been in the qu- equivalent of a Netflixmas film. Uh a rom com of yeah. Know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> would George Clooney do a rom com? Okay. Yeah. Do you sure. guys think George Clooney would do a rom com? <laughs> I'm asking you a question, which I have to be right. <laughs> um. No. I, uh, George Clooney actually, I think, works surprisingly little apart from his um, Nespresso commercials. <laughs> well, yeah, he's got a super to, hot, amazing wife who, like, you know, brings home the bacon. Mm. And he's also, and he just takes time out of his day to direct unremarkable films. I'll say it. He should, Monuments he should men. Be who, who, who amongst us, right? Who amongst us isn't doing that? <laughs> AJ. AJ is directing great films. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I'm helping. Anywho... Yeah, Naughty Nine, I thought, like, this is a Disney family movie. There's, it, 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 it's allowed a few points docked off because of the quality it's aiming for, you know? Like, it's not trying to be better than that. There's no real depth to any of it, but you could be a fucking, I don't know, what, seven or eight-year-old and enjoy this, I'm sure. It's just... It's unremarkable. Yeah, I watched I mean, it. I, is... I was doing some other work last night and I had it on one screen and I was like, yep, yeah, cool. Now they're flying over the North Pole. Oh no, now the pilot that <laughs> took them How's there. the Christmas magic meter on the sleigh going by this stage? <laughs> no, they, so they didn't go on a sleigh. They they got some. They got an adult man to fly them in, their pl- in a plane and then- In a cargo plane. Yeah, and then he got and, and 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 how did how did they get him to do it? Oh, that's right. He was under suspicion for being like on drugs or crazy because he had reported mm. to his company that he had seen Santa driving the sleigh, and so they like had stood him down from flying. So he was like, these kids approached him and be like, "We believe you. We're going to the North right. Pole. Could you could you take us there?" And of course, you know. We're not going to talk about the price of aviation gas at the moment, but, you know, he definitely just, like, <laughs> stole a plane and flew it from America to the North Pole. <laughs> and is this a Santatheist movie? Uh, a- no, no, Santa Theist. They meet Santa. Okay. Who is Santa yeah. played by? Danny Danny Glover, I said that. Ah, I literally stopped listening like I said I was going to. But this is good. This is good. So, and it ends with a sequel tease as well. Santa shows up at his high school and he's like, I don't even know if it's high school, it's probably middle school. But he's like, oh, Santa, I've been real good this year. I, I, it's, and he, and Santa's like, it's not that kid. I need the naughty nine. And then the credits roll. So Santa said, needs sounded like a, them to pull off a heist. You sounded like the voiceover for like the British TV no, TV channel called like Nine, like Channel Nine, the Naughty Nine. <laughs> or, or you're calling like a Daily Kino, mm. and you get Nine. It's the Naughty Nine. Oh man, Daily Kino, deep cut. Um, that's my the thing about this movie this is that the whole. <laughs> The whole point of like sort of large ensemble heist movies is that all the characters need to be somewhat likable. 
and pretty much none of these kids are likable. <laughs> yeah, like, well, they're, leaving they're, aside they're supposed the th- to be naughty kids, to be fair. No, leaving aside the fact that their characters are supposed to be naughty, like, it's, I mean, I think, you know, history, the hi- history of film is littered with, like, you know, lovable rogues and, you mm. know, people who are mm. charming and, you know, they do bad things or they're sort of morally questionable things, but, like, you're so on board with them. I was not on board with any of these children because they just had zero riz, as the kids would say. Oh, like, wow, very honestly, good. They're very fun. I just, I think it's it's very funny here, having not seen this movie and just listened half listened to a description of its plot. I think it's very funny that out of the three of us, the one of us who has children is like didn't like it. The kids were too naughty. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, you have developed that is this, not like, that is not my critique for naughtiness. <laughs> I will say though, on this film, when I first found out of its existence, I was like, "This is a good premise for a kids' film." Like. N- Group of naughty kids didn't yep. get anything. Do a heist. Um, I will say, yeah. So the the 100%. main the main guy is, is this kid, obviously. And like, I I don't want to just shit on this little kid too much. I will a little bit, but like, <laughs> have you guys seen Good Luck Chuck? Yeah. You know, you know Dane Cook's best friend in that, played by Dan Fogler, who's just this gross little weirdo. Yeah, that yeah. kid is going yeah, to grow do. up to do exclusively those kind of roles. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. All right, shall we move to the yeah. next one? Yeah. So naughty nine, do not recommend. Um, yeah, do not recommend. And and I, I I would say I agree with your I I agree with the idea that the premise was much better than the execution, and yeah. this is the absolute definition of like a straight to VHS like. Mm. But, but this is what Disney straight to Disney Plus is made for. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an updated decom, really. Uh, I think the next lowest for me would be one that's going to leave out AJ and AJ. I don't want to do that to you. So what Thanks I'm going so to do now is I'm going to invite you both to talk about Candy Can Lane and leave me out of the conversation briefly. <laughs> well, yeah, that that would probably be. Would that be my next? No, my next would be Xmas, but yeah. I don't think either of you have seen that, have you? No, no, I, yeah, Xmas yeah. would I be my next one, but we shouldn't have AJ. Oh, yeah, right. we're so in sync, Richard. Oh my god, <laughs> I I would also regard Family Switch as worse than Candy Cane Lane. Just, just so. Okay, actually, we can go back to, to Family Switch because we've all seen that. No, that is, and that is true. I, I, Family Switch was so bad that I actually, actually pushed it out of my mind. <laughs> so yeah, no, I would agree. <laughs> So what are we talking about now? Let's, Family, let's Switch Family, Switch, Candy Candy. Which, Family Switch. For the record, second best one I watched. I mean, it's it, the <laughs> disparity for me is very small and I do not care enough to fight for it. Mm. Um, but I will say this. Family Switch was, out of all of these, the one that I saw and was and was like saw the trailers for and was like, this I could see myself enjoying this in the right circumstances um it's a it's as the title would imply almost it's very it's a very blunt title Mm. it is a body switch movie in which a family of a a mother and father a daughter and son and then a baby and a dog all get and wind up in some like sorcerous trickery and uh wind up switching bodies with each other and wouldn't you know it They've all got appointments the next day that only they can do. The first probably 35 minutes of the movie is it setting up how all these these different appointments that only these members you, of the family You could say the planets are, are aligning. To. 
Yeah, and and not just do. not just appointments that only that member of the family can do. Literally, the culmination of each member of that family's life up until that point. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. The like their like their Ed- entire life has been leading to this. Yeah, yeah. The film stars Ed Helms and Jennifer Garner. Those are the two biggest names. Is there anyone else outside the family? Uh, who's Rita Moreno is the old lady. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, and, oh well. And so I think. I, I don't I don't I'm I'm partial to a good body switch movie. I think we would say all three of us probably no biases against body switch movies. I think they're very fun acting exercises. All three of us really liked the Jumanji movies, mm. and I think that's like the gold standard for doing this sort I of thing. I think the three um, of us should switch bodies. Yeah. I wish I had your change. life. Okay, let's all okay. <laughs> three, two, one. I wish I had your life. I don't I I don't. Oh, oh sorry, no. I wish I had your life. <laughs> too late now you're switching you're, you're switching places with my like empty coffee mug okay well what, 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 jeremy <laughs> what, you, what we can do magic. then is the other way in which you switch is which on three we all say you would you wouldn't last one day in my shoes okay three oh, yes. two yeah. one you, you wouldn't, wouldn't last, last one, one day, day in, in my shoes in my shoes <laughs> so the reason something like jumanji works right and yeah. i'm and Pick a, pick a good body switch movie. Freaky Friday. Whatever, big Freaky Friday, whatever you want. Which are all the referenced in it, the film as well. Yeah, including 13 Going on 30, which Jennifer Garner starred in. And I got I went down such a like stoned rabbit hole thinking, how many actors have been in multiple body switch films? Like, Does that not feel like an interesting statistic for someone to have? No, because anyway, it's just literally one. <laughs> well, this, there's two. Oh, do you, but but it's, is that not interesting that Jennifer Garner's done this twice? Well, she's been in no, two. No, oh, there's right. one actor who's done this twice. Mm. Great stuff, guys. I'm just saying it's it's an interesting tidbit. Anyway. For a stoned um, person, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... What works about good body switch movies is is and you're gonna know you're gonna follow me through on this, guys. The characters are so distinct, right? You mm. you have to be. You've got to open that film. Everyone gets one dominant character trait, and you just drill that in for twenty minutes, and then they switch bodies, and you get to go. Jamie Lee Curtis as a teenage girl. What? And that's the joke, right? That's where that's where the fun is. And in this, these characters are all over the place. Yeah, and this was done most, like, the best way it was done is Jack Black as the teenage girl. Like, just exactly. brilliant. He's, riff- he, he's riffing off of these tropes that we kind of already know about teen, like that sort of, <laughs> sort of teenage girl. That it's, mm. So it's not just the characterization you've seen up until that point in the movie. There's also, like, a cultural kind of meme You're around that kind of, of stereotype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sexism, probably. Yeah. But like, you know, it, it's the it's to good laugh stuff. At. And and the thing is that, the, like, the two kids, the two teenage kids, that they, the way that they're written, they're almost anti characters because, like, totally. essentially, the the girl is given one character trait, and it's soccer. I'm really good yeah. at soccer. And the boy yeah. is just smart. And the boy is no. Is, the boy is given several character traits, and I think that's, that's true. Where that's it true. Falls apart because yeah. is he a on the spectrum nerd? That's what I thought when he first was introduced. But then he yeah. becomes kind of like a he, he has like and then and then the second half of the movie, he's got all this riz. He's like acting like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> and and what I think it is is that Ed Helms. 
would have acted the majority of the film as playing the son first. And so then the son, this kid, who is, Harold is maybe 14, he has got to pick up the pieces to create a character retroactively based off what, just whatever the hell Ed Helms was doing. And also, also a funny thing in this movie is there's a scene. So one of one of the jokes in it is like Ed Helms as an adult is like more of a rock star than his son is before the switch, right? Mm. So when when he goes to school in his son's body, he's able to like you know he's a riz machine. Get, he's a riz machine, as Jeremy would so eloquently. Well, he's play. he's literally wearing a leather jacket. He looks like Danny from Greece. Yeah. Like it's yeah. the most, it's yeah. the weirdest thing. Yep, and what's funny about this is how we go back to Freaky Friday, right? Seeing Jamie Lee Curtis dolled up like a punk rocker. Funny, hilarious, what an out-of-place thing. It's sexy, I'll say it. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing seeing a family switch where a high schooler is playing a cool high school student is like, wow, such an acting exercise, such a a stretch. A cool high school kid from the 1950s. (laughs) Well, you you do get Jennifer Garner dolled up in that sort of way, and she farts a lot as well. She does fart a lot, but even then, I think think what I'm getting at is body switch movies work when the characters are stereotypes, and so that you get that that juxtaposition. It wouldn't work with us three switching, we're too similar. No, that's what I said before. Like, the problem with Family Switch is the characters are too complex. No, they're poorly written and not defined enough that when the switch happens, it's just like, ah, well, this is what I know of these characters now, big whip. Mm. And also the baby and the dog switch places and you get some, like, hellhole CGI. Oh, my God. CGI the likes of which I haven't seen since, like, (laughs) the first Cats and Dogs movie. Yeah. (laughs) Son of the Mask Mask is an excellent touch point. (laughs) That is an excellent touch point. I I think the th- I totally agree with you, and I think the 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 worst thing about the worst thing that a body switch movie can do is when you find you only find out what the character was meant to be like from the beginning of the film by the way that the new characters are acting them. Great right. Note, so like great like note, this is the yeah. po- I guess this is the point you were making, but like like Ed Helms had basically no character. Like Ed, mm. at the beginning of the movie when he's actually being the dad. You're just like he's just kind of a no, nice he's guy. Like one of the cool he, teachers is like, want- "Throw out your sheet music. Let's play Seven Nation Army." <laughs> bum, bum, but he doesn't bum, actually bum, do that. They're just playing Seven Nation Army, and like no, he tells them to throw out the sheet music. Uh, Jeremy, it's a perfect script. It's a perfect film. And then he has his like <laughs> dad rock band, um, who one of them is Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. Uh, I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but. One of his mm. bandmates is the lead singer of Weezer, and then Howie Mandel shows up playing a character I just assumed was Howie Mandel until I read now that it says Howie Mandel as Barry. But the one thing <laughs> I was like that um I, when we talked about Freaky on a, one of the end of year podcasts, I which is the Vince Vaughn is a serial killer and swaps bodies with Catherine Newton, is that like th- there's a scene in that film where. The Catherine Newton's character in the body of Vince Vaughn is talking with this guy in the back of the car and realize, and they have that moment of like, oh my God, like I, I didn't realize you liked me. I didn't realize you liked me. And they have this moment of realizing like, oh my God, like we actually are clicking. And then they make out and it's adult serial killer Vince Vaughn making out with this teenage kid. And it is like, it's so fucking funny. And it's like, the <laughs> film had to go here. It's like, it adds a whole yeah. other star to the film that like, mm. 
the film family switch like toys with it and and, 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 Same thing as Best Christmas Ever. This could become a much kinkier movie. Yeah. And it's not like I'm just saying that because it's a, it, the family switches. They, the film itself, skirts right yeah. to the edges of what 100s. would be a, a more interesting but much more uncomfortable yeah. film. Yeah. I mean, so, so, so so definitely two, not a family film. Yeah. There are two, <laughs> film, there are two bits in the film specifically. So there's one where um, the children in the in the bodies of the parents um i they they get home and they realize like oh it's mum's girls night so um all the girls mm. are going to come around and complain about their husbands and they're talking about their marriage and they're like oh why don't you guys kiss in front of us so now you have like the the boy in ed helms's body having to kiss his sister's mind in his mum's body which is fuck man fantastic setup for a that scene is- Cronenbergian yeah you know what I mean like this is good stuff this is the kind of shit Gaspar No makes yeah and so and and, and it's just this very uncomfortable one where they like both sort of throw up in their mouths and stuff but it's 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 funny I kind of would have liked to see it go further because it's like what a horrific situation to be in that it's like no way you look at this as this a good thing to have to do it's I like, did not want to yeah. see it go further but okay that's that it's like I, it's I, just... I'm only saying Jeremy I'm talking about the way my soul flatlines watching these movies mm. right <laughs> and so as it's, as it's flatlining i hear um brother and sister have to make out in the bodies of their parents and i go fuck that's interesting <laughs> you know what i mean that's what i mean by i wanted but to then, go further. Like, the scene that's that also, more than nothing the scene <laughs> yeah. that then so that, that scene at least you have like okay that, that that's a a great culmination of this premise and everything, but the I other one is that like dramatic, the, there's dramatic tension exactly. in the core Don't of the idea. But the the yeah, other yeah. scene is that like the the parents and the bodies of the the kids are at a party, and they have a moment where they and they briefly one of them does the thriller dance, which is also a reference to Thirteen Going On Thirty, um, when Jennifer Garner shows up at the party, but they. Um, they're having this moment of being like, oh, we don't get out anymore. Like, you know, we, we used to have so much fun and all this stuff. And they're having this really romantic ro- moment where they're realizing, you know, we don't have, haven't had enough time for each other. And then just briefly, someone at the, at the, on the other side of the party is like, aren't they brother and sister? And I was like, <laughs> I would have loved to see those characters get so caught up in that moment and make out. And then everyone's like, oh my God, <laughs> brother and yeah, sister. No, but also, I was the, about to say, I want to say something that might get me in trouble. The brother and sister should have made out. Of this movie. <laughs> yeah. But also the thing with that is that it's like the the they are making out with the body of their child, which is a whole other layer of fucked yeah. up. Yeah, this yeah. is well, this and, movie and the is other so thing- close to being fucked, and it's not, and that's disappointing <laughs> yeah. to me. Interesting <laughs> because yeah, I feel like you can do it the other way around. Yeah, like the, the they yeah. leave it to the CGI yeah. of the dog and the and the baby to really make it fucked. Mm. But um, <laughs> but the the other thing. The other thing that happens at the party is that essentially, like, the dad in the body of his son realizes that, like, there's this girl who's been hanging around his son that his son obviously does not know is, like, really into him. And so the dad's, like, trying to kind of set it up for his son once his son gets back into his body and is being, like, really cool and nice to um, this girl. And the girl like goes in to kiss him mm. and the dad's like oh no 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 like like at the last minute kind of just realizes what's happening and kid. like 
pulls pulls away, <laughs> and it was just like that. That for me was the moment. Where it was like, oh, dude, you've just re- you've you you put in all this work to make it better mm. for your son, and now you've completely ruined it because you couldn't follow through. But also, like, imagine like the the next scene if he'd gone through with that. That's like that's what I would would have wanted to see. Be like, hey, son, just so you know, like set up what, things what? pretty good for you on Monday, and it's like, what the fuck, Dad? You you made out with my crush. That's a great yeah. look. And the and his wife and his in in her daughter's body sees him across the room doing it. Like mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I think what it is is that this movie could just not broach these topics and fine. Mm. Whatever. It's the fact that it gets us to these points where we start considering the worst that could happen. And I think a good rule to follow in screenwriting is that if you think of an extreme consequence of something mm. and it works to some degree you've got to you have to you have to cut with a scalpel you know you Mm. have to make it happen you have to go to these lengths in films i think because if you don't do it the audience is going to think about it and you want to be you have to beat the the one that especially like comedy is beating the audience to the punchline i will say though that like it's funny because it's like almost always done with like a family and i could say this quite freely because it doesn't exist but i think body swapping as a concept is inherently kind of sexual right and so it's like you have to immediately think about like because the first thing anyone thinks about with body swapping yeah yeah exactly you're like you you just know that the person's gonna have a shower and they're gonna see what the other person looks like naked which is something that inherently it's a very private you're breaking all the bounds of privacy and kind of decency I've always said that if one dollar genre gets body switch as a genre, I'm making the horniest fucking movie <laughs> out of that. I, I th- no one's done a horny body switch movie. The change should. up. I th- is that horny? Uh, no, it's like an R-rated. Oh, oh what it if depends if you to attracted to mm. to ride Reynolds or not. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen yeah. the change up, Jeremy? I love the change up. The change up oh, is like genuinely one of the like. I love it. It's amazing. It's extremely funny. Pretty sure I have it on DVD behind me. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, one. So I actually had to stop watching the Family Switch a couple of times, and I I, I made well, so myself all the way through with it. the incest. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but like, it got to the point where they they through the middle. Yes, the change up on DVD. Whoop whoop. Um. Uh. So they. What's oh, the extended to, um, version as well? So that's that's probably why I think it's. So they got rude. to the point. They got to the point in the movie where all the family members were all having to kind of like confront in their different bodies the like culmination moment for the other person in the family that they were representing. And so you had like the daughter had to go and present at her mother's like massive architecture pitch to like, and she's working for this insanely like successful architecture firm. Mm. She's going to make partner if she does this successful pitch to a client who's like really disapproving. And it's you, not a Netflix just like, movie if one of the characters hasn't got a very important meeting where they <laughs> might be making partner that's culminating <laughs> yeah, yeah. with and, something else. And and you just go like, well, there's no way that this like 16-year-old girl is going to be able to do anywhere near a good enough job to even skate by in the like mm. on you know by the seat of her pants or anything there, there's just no clever way of getting through a business pitch with like a really really like hardcore investor like as an adult you know these things and you're just like and then the the mother has to go and play her daughter's like big game where there's the, a u.s the national scout, yeah. soccer team scout like there 
and she and I was just like, she's just not going to be able to do this. So can we just fast forward these scenes because there's no <laughs> point in showing us. Like it's just the and, tension is like, yeah, it's unresolvable. And so there's no will they won't they. You just know that they won't. And so it just feels like a waste of time watching it. I just got mm. angry. I will say <laughs> so that, that like so the the thing is that like with all these scenes, so it's like the daughter needed to learn her mum's compassion and so when her mum is playing this the game she has the chance she's doing okay she's like hasn't made you know fucked everything up but like she has the opportunity to score what would be a winning goal but she helps an opposing teammate and you can uh, you see that happen in the film you're like oh, it's like injured themselves yeah. and so, so you go oh they're gonna appreciate the sportsmanship the yale interview are gonna appreciate the confidence because that's what he needed to learn from his dad anyway and then the they say oh we have all these things tomorrow and then ed helms's thing that day just isn't visited and then is revisited again later on in the film but the mum her meeting where she uh, the, the the kid as her mum eats ice cream to calm herself down and Jennifer Garner's severely lactose intolerant and she just farts relentlessly. And so oh I was gosh, like, I forgot about this. I, so I can bad. see all of the other ones. I can see them being like, you know, the, the resolution of the film being like, you know what, actually we really admired your confidence or your sportsmanship. But I was just waiting for the scene where they're like, you know what, it took guts to get up there and fart in front of all of us. You're, you've made partner. <laughs> I was like, how, how the fuck are they going to talk them out of this one? But then it ends up that they're like, oh, we can tell your team really respected you. So you got the job, you get another chance. And then when she does get another, the other chance to do it, they, they still haven't switched back, but there's a family emergency. The dad's rock band is playing. They can't find the kid and the dad's body, yada, yada. And so she has to run out, let the team do the presentation. That's her learning, you know, to uh, offload work in some capacity. And then like the guy that they're pitching to for the architecture, uh, like, but that, that's his project. <laughs> the head of the architecture firm and her rival at the architecture firm all show up to the rock concert where the family supports the the son and the dad's body. And <laughs> then they come up to her after the show and they're like, the pitch went great. You've got the job. And Paul Shear, who plays her um her rival, is like, Nemesis. What the, is like, what the fuck? And then he's like, get out of here. You're fired. And it's actually like a plot beat from like, they came together or something like that. Like I, I cackled when that happened. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, yeah. such a and parody the, the worst, moment. The worst part about it is not only is it just so far out of the realms of anything that real people would actually do. Like you would not get the CEO of the firm, the like really important client and like multiple other people from the office turning up to this high school band before. It's not a high school band, but it's a, a band performance at a high cover, school. A cover band. Yeah. Mm. A cover band performance at a high school. Not only that, but she ran out of the biggest pitch of her entire career saying, I am had a family emergency. My family need me. Mm. And apparently the family emergency was, I need to sing with my family <laughs> on stage in a covers band at a concert that you will attend and not be pissed off that I blew off this meeting yeah. so that I could be in a band performance. You will go, hey, the rest of your team did great and good for you. I'm going to make you part partner like it was <laughs> she also farted <laughs> multiple <laughs> times and i don't know yeah. if you guys have smelt lactose intolerant farts but there's no coming back last, from also last thought before i feel like I, we're, we're gonna move on we're gonna move on here well but aj was saying i do last just thought, want so there was a good clue okay great <laughs> i do i have to put my hand up here and say one of the most hateful things about this film 
is like the random German dog instructor guy that they just leave the baby and the dog with for the entire movie. So it's just so weird to me that like there is no reason that the dog and the baby had to be in this movie. Like there is absolutely nothing that they do other mm. than they do. They didn't need a dog and a baby. Like the the whole thing is that like the baby puts. Like there's this piece of the telescope that like when the planets aligned and that's the mechanism for how they all switched. <laughs> like there's a lens in the telescope that falls out that they have to get because they can't find it. The baby has put it into like the the baby's pocket or something, right? And then they end the, up finding the it. The baby's but, pocket. It's like a fox glove. The, it's you like can, the name of a you flower. Can, yeah. The baby's yeah. pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you can take that whole beat out by just saying that the lens broke and they had to like make a new one, which they end up having to make a new one anyway. Here's and the then sells Charles it break. Yeah, and then and then it and then it breaks for no reason at all. But like the there's this German guy who lives down the street from them who is a dog trainer. And as a parent of a baby, or, you know, yes. ba- have, have been babies, Waiting for they leave, inside. they leave that baby and the dog with that guy for like at least two consecutive days <laughs> just so that they can, as a family, just go around with teenage kids and not have to worry about their baby. I can tell you right now, 100% no parent would ever do that. Like, <laughs> it was I, the least I believable would, thing would, would in this entire movie about <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> I will say this. You know that joke in The Simpsons where um, it's the one with Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger mm. in it? Royal Homer Crown pitch- Cola. <laughs> Homer pitches this like movie idea to them about a talking pie, right? Yeah. And then what? Well, he he briefly mentions the, it, it's the, it's the a um, it's about a cop who has to travel back in time for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on in the movie, Ron Howard's in there and, and they're like, well, we could cut out, the, they're think, talking about Homer and how they miss him. And they're like, well, we could cut out the talking pie. And then one of them says, you can't cut out the talking pie. The talking pie is the heart of the film. <laughs> That's how I feel about the baby and the dog in this movie. <laughs> if, you, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a Netflix executive and someone's pitching me this God awful sounding film and then they're like, we need to trim this down. And someone's like, you could probably pretty easily cut out the baby and the dog. I be like you've got to you have to have the baby mm. and a dog it's like, i need to have an uncanny valley cgi yeah. dog mm. up on his hind legs walking <laughs> around looking like a demon possessed dog yeah. i need it i, need I will it say so bad. just uh, final two things on this film that one i don't think we mentioned but this was directed by mick g um, oh, yeah. oh, and <laughs> second- I, I literally at the end of the movie it came up and I was like oh well of course yeah <laughs> but also um, another McGee uh, stars of this film is DJ Yukon Cornelius uh, that's Mark McGrath who was the lead singer of Sugar Ray and if you haven't seen it there is a very funny video out there of some kid <laughs> saying more like sugar gay and Mark McGrath is just like I will fucking beat the shit out of you you little shit <laughs> who said sugar gay <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> 
the one final thing I want to say about this film is that there is a brief moment where they don't get the telescope lens in time or some shit, and there's a period, like a two minutes where they feel like they've failed, and the understanding is we will now be, the, the switch is permanent, we will be stuck in these bodies for the rest of time. And it, the way everyone reacts to this, I thought was very <laughs> unrealistic, because everyone's just sort of like, oh no, but guys, if I was stuck in my dad's body for the rest of my life, I would kill myself. <laughs> I would hate them. It is, it is, it is a, it is a torture. That would be a hell. It would be an, I reckon. It would genuinely be an existential horror. Yeah, and none yeah. of and none of the characters had anywhere approaching the reaction mm. of like and the kind of exist like yeah. And and on top of that though, this existential hell. Therefore, my mind we- then went to let's see that movie. Well, exactly. That, that's what I was thinking. It's like movie. you know how yeah. like Palm Springs was like mm. a, a Groundhog Day, but what if it already beat it for a th- ten thousand years? A body mm. switch movie where the body switch happened ten years earlier or whatever, and it's yeah. like they're obs- they're ostensibly not switched anymore. They've had to adjust to each other's yeah. lives so lo- yeah, like that'd be that's fascinating. An interesting oh, like- film. Or, or, or like, yeah, you know, right. it, it's this comet that passes by once every 10 years. They missed it the first night that they could have done it. And so now they have the chance to swap back. But now they've mm. become so ingrained in the other person's life. One of them wants to switch back and the other doesn't. <gasps> so yeah. it's like a... Oh, yeah. that's... See, this is great. This is so this good. This is great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, like, and, a the parents, and, and the parents' bodies had to get a divorce, but then the kids like have found a way to like go to college and share a dorm. And the ki- the kids you know? fuck mm-hmm. as well. The kids fuck. God. Let's <laughs> the kids on. fucking fuck is the heart of the film, AJ. You can't take that out. <laughs> uh, all right, now I'm going to invite you two to talk about Candy Cane Lane and give me a bloody break for once. <laughs> all right, how much of Candy Cane Lane did you watch, Jeremy? All of it, because I have to watch okay. all of them. Okay, I watched Candy Cane Lane this afternoon, and guys, I didn't hate it. Well, 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 I gave it two stars, <laughs> but I but I gave it a heart because this movie, for those who don't know, it stars Eddie Murphy. Um, it's about a guy who really prides himself on his Christmas decorations on a street that is colloquially referred to as Candy Cane Lane because everyone on the street's doing it. Um. And it's Eddie Murphy and uh, shenanigans ensue. What 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 I did not know before I got 40 minutes into the movie is that it's Christmas Jumanji. That they <laughs> yeah. and 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 an effort to beat the neighbor, he goes to like a mystical Christmas pop-up shop and buys a Christmas tree that each of the it's like a wooden mock Christmas tree where each of the layers represents one of the lyrics of 12 days of christmas oh, yeah. so there's a there's a single partridge at the top of the tree then the next one down is two turtle doves etc etc and when he turns it on they all spin so that it's like that rudimentary you know the richard you know zoetrope. You call that? zoetrope thank you yep um it's a zoetrope of the the characters from 12 days of christmas um yes yeah, so you got like all... the as as it turns around the the nine lords are leaping you know yeah, as, as yeah, the zoetrope yeah, exactly. goes around exactly. i thought you were gonna be like so and then on the second one you've got um two free che- uh, two turtle doves and then on the third one of course you'd have the three free children <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sit um, here for two minutes as we walk through. Yeah. 
they they pop out of the ornaments and start running amok in the city and lest Eddie Murphy wants to turn into a tiny little ceramic man, mm. which is what he finds out it was on the contract he signed with the evil elf played by, what's her name? Gillian... Jacobs? Uh, Jacobs. Jacobs, Brother? yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Um, Gillian, Gillian Bell. Oh, Gillian yeah, yeah. Bell. What's yeah. she from? She's in 22 Jump Street. She... she was Workaholics, I think. Yeah, was it right. Was oh, yeah. Brick? Um, so she, she is the, well, she become, I, I, I trusted her. I thought she was like a, the old guy that sells Mogwai at the start of Gremlins at first, <laughs> but then it turns out she's the villain. Um, she's, she's like, she, she often, she's an elf who will often trick unsuspecting people into signing these contracts that they then fail to deliver on and they turn into a ceramic figure. And, um, and her and motivation any- is essentially that basic, it, like in the past, she yeah. wanted Santa to cancel more of the naughty kids and santa was like oh let's give them presents anyway and she was just like no 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 these naughty people need to be taught a lesson and so she's kind of like been banished from the north pole she's set up on her own and she basically finds great joy in like getting people to sign these contracts and 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 the idea that eddie murphy signed the contract oh sorry um you know bought these things because he was like envious of so he was it was like his sin was envy because he he wanted and and over competition he was overly competitive Mm. so he was willing to do anything to beat his like neighbors and so that was what led him to sort of not inspect the terms and conditions and kind of get caught into this like faustian deal he also gets laid off in the opening scenes of the film from like like right at christmas time so it's not that bad of a motivation i think because because they think they're gonna (laughs) win money if they're the best decorated house oh yeah because this year is the first year that the candy cane lane decorating competition is gonna be on tv there's a sponsor and like yeah 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 so all of this, all of this, this goes down. Eddie Murphy has to collect the five golden rings before this clock strikes eight in order for him to not turn into a, a porcelain figure. Um, and the golden rings are being held by various characters from 12 Days of Christmas. Now, at the end of the film, another a, a, a santa shows up a black santa shows up that is specified in the film by the people the news anchors as as black santa they're like oh my god it's black santa <laughs> um, when he, we all know the correct up, term is blanter <laughs> and he he shows up and he's like um he shows up and he's like Pepper, who's Jillian Jacob, Jillian Bell's elf character, he's like, "What the hell are you doing? You got to stop tricking people." And she's like, "No, no, he made a deal." And we're like, "Well, we've got the five golden rings, and it's only like seven thirty. And she said, "I never said five. And the twist of the film is actually it's it's forty gold rings as many rings, rings because- as ever gets said in the entire song. Yeah, so, so every, over every and over time and over. you go back uh, through. So if you're listening to this, Richard, someone who hasn't seen this movie, and you're thinking this sounds like it gets pretty convoluted and complicated, you're absolutely right, and that's what. <laughs> wrong with the film is that it's trying to be jumanji and small soldiers and night at the museum and like welcome to marwin yeah yeah it's trying to be welcome to marwin <laughs> yeah and i think also there's there's a real there's a real tonal mismatch the mother character who's played by tracy ellis ross she is phenomenal out She's of like her though, performance yeah. I, I believe whenever she was talking about like what they have to do and kind of like when she's, she's reacting to Eddie Murphy telling her that he's going to become this like tiny porcelain figure, like all this sort of stuff. I'm like, I'm with her. She believes it. Like she, she was a standout for me and he's got like teenage, he's got teenage kids and you know, it, there's this fam. There's this family Christmas movie that's a pretty stock standard. I lost my job. My wife is like yeah, yeah. much more successful for me. I've got to learn a lesson. 
that that movie sits there with with the family and then there is this evil elf who wants to trick people using magic christmas jumanji you know gotta get gotta collect all the things movie that is much more interesting and does not fit with eddie murphy and what he's doing with his family they are not in that movie and the elf like as soon as the elf came on screen i'm like oh can we have a whole movie that is just this tone and this production (laughs) set and everything and that yeah the two never mesh satisfactorily yeah no i i agree and and that was my main note for the film because the jumanji shit happens as i said 40 minutes yeah i I watched 30 minutes of this film and i didn't see any of that (laughs) right so you if, if 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 i was to get the script i would be like take out all this shit about him getting fired on christmas day like just start the film with he's he's a father who is unemployed who has to collect these rings (laughs) <laughs> he's he's unemployed <laughs> around Christmas time and his wife is successful, right? So you've all you don't need to see him lose his yeah. job. And it t- it right. all just takes takes way too long and needs to be what like you said, it needs to be the Jumanji film. It doesn't need to be all these other things at the same time. And that's ultimately uh, that and the fact that Santa comes into it at the end was like, all right, this isn't the the secret hidden gem I was kind of hoping it would be, mm-hmm. you know, when I was an hour and a bit in. <laughs> What's interesting is that I think they realized and they paid all the money to get Eddie Murphy into this movie. And they were like, we need to spend a bit more time with Eddie Murphy. And so they basically just kept everything that was written for his character. like, And so mm-hmm. all the unnecessary stuff that would normally be edited out the, obviously, mm. in the editing process, the, they were they were probably going to go for it, and then they were like, "You can't cut Eddie Murphy stuff. We paid this much money for him." Mm. <laughs> and like, that's such a I good also way have to say, it, yeah. I also the first one of like that, a three film deal, so they like paid a lot of money for him to do films yeah. for Amazon. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. And and I had to say, I did have a couple of moments where he was on screen and just talking to his family and stuff. So I was just like, "Man, this guy's good." He's just so good at like being mm. in movies. I mean, there's just a charisma. <laughs> there's like it's he can just deliver lines. He's in, he's just entertaining. And I I have to say it's been too long. The other thing is that the voice actors they got because there's in in the um yeah. in the yeah. elf's workshop there are a yeah. whole bunch of little char- little porcelain characters that were already like real people that had been like it's, it's they, what they had he's bought. going to become mm. if he doesn't yeah so that and the they warn him he ends up talking to these porcelain characters and they're like we were in the same position as you and we weren't able to we got so excited where you're that we going to <laughs> and and like there's so there's like a there's a, a a british chimney sweep character there's like yeah, sort yeah. of a very like history hispanic coded um woman character there's uh like an uh, it's weird because they're all dressed as kind of like victorian era english characters but their their Mm. voice acting and their behavior is very like modest yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and then there's like a group of carolers that just sing everything that they do and they can't help and if they hear you start a christmas carol they have to finish it like they have to finish Mm. singing it um and and that's played by pentatonics like just yeah. randomly pentatonics is in the movie and then at the end they all get turned back into their human forms and it's like literally two minutes of the movie that you see these quite famous people who've been voicing these people and the one that just shit me dead was um oh bloody <laughs> hell Nick i've Offerman. only got his character from- nick offerman yes thank you nick, nick- offerman and i was just like 
He's playing an English like gentleman. He plays the chimney like, sweep. He plays Pip. So he's the, he 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 talks like this, <laughs> and it's Nick Offerman. And when they turn back into humans, it's it was like you know the shots aren't prioritizing the reveal that it's Nick Offerman because he's just been voicing the character the whole time. So it's literally it's Richard. It's one of these moments where I'm like. Is that Nick Offerman? <laughs> like, like, it's like he's in the, he's out of focus in the background, and then right at the end he comes he comes to have Christmas with the family because he's made friends with them, and he's just do, he's going for his life for this chimney sweep accent. He's and having a lot like, of fun. This is you can breaking tell. Breaking my brain to hear Nick Offerman speaking <laughs> with this accent. <laughs> Um, I, I saw this. Um, James Dyer for Empire said that the film uh, was part "It's a Wonderful Life," part "Drag Me to Hell." <laughs> I didn't get that at all. <laughs> all power to them. I think I will say I think this is very close to being a better film, but sadly, one hundred percent. I think you could edit this to to be a, a better film as well. I think it's it's in the editing, can- not necessarily the script. I 100% agree. And I think that the, the quality is there in all of the acting performances. Um, it's funny. It, yeah. It's it's super funny. Like like I mentioned before, the, the news anchors that are covering the Candy Cane Lane competition. And it's like this one really like dour white guy in this very cherry well, black Played woman. by Jonah from Veep, who is just like right. ca- cast he's perfectly. So f- like if anyone's so funny, watched Veep. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So one of the reveals at the third act is that the hundred thousand dollar prize is actually just a hundred thousand dollars worth of prizes from like taco place, like vouchers. <laughs> and and, there's, and the the woman is like is like, oh, did I say a hundred thousand dollars? It's actually vouchers for Taco Tuesday. And the guy is just like, what? <laughs> like the whole, Are you serious? The whole film, yeah, the whole, the whole film, he's just been like, you know, I, I'm overqualified for this. Like, whenever he <laughs> pops up, it's a really funny performance. And then, yeah. then when Santa shows up and they, like, and then this, like, big. Uh, crazy sleigh and flies away again and the woman is like oh my god they, they've clearly won that looks so real and the guy's like i think that was real <laughs> he's just having this like <laughs> crisis in the film. it's good stuff it's so close to being great but it just falls short in how i didn't like how silly it got i think the cgi was too cartoony as well i um, mean also they make it so like such a point of being like there are two turtle doves there are 11 lords are leaping or whatever the actual numbers are and then but when there's only one maid of milking and she she floods an entire changing room with milk from a cow but (laughs) it's only one and there's no point where they're like where are the other eight or whatever however many there are i don't know the numbers after turtle yeah the rules the rules (laughs) of it all are just a bit like and yeah, it, yeah exactly. The problem is, and that's, it, that's it, my it main would, script change, I think. It would be far too complicated to explain them better, so they mm. don't. But then you mm. feel like you haven't got totally. a handle on what's actually going on for a really, and and I yeah. don't really know how to fix that because you can't yeah. explain it better because it would just take too much time. Um, it's and this so classic think, problem yeah, that bad movies have where there's too many magics happening at once. There's too many, yeah. and there's too many central concepts being executed at the same time, and you just need to pick one and do the simplest version. The simplest version of this movie is guy has to get all the twelve days of Christmas characters back in the box. Like that should be yeah. the movie, right? Yeah, and and the yeah. thing is that it's funny because 
I'm hearing myself talk about this movie and I'm just pointing out all these things that I loved and that I thought were amazing <laughs> and all these great acting performances and everything. But I finished this movie and I was like, oh, that was a steaming pile of trash. Like, I <laughs> actually could not stand it. But yeah, it is, it's fascinating that there's so much good in there and it's just somehow totally. ruined. And I think that tonal mismatch between the family and the magic just never quite came mm. together. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's a wrap on Candy Cane Lane, I assume. Next up, we've got a film, Jeremy, which I believe only you have seen, which I'm going to get you now to talk about, Dashing Through the Snow. Uh, well, neither Richard or I listen. <laughs> yeah, and Jeremy, I'm going to give you a... Um, is two minutes enough, or is that too much, or what uh, do you think? Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about Okay, you have one, you've, <clears throat> you've one minute then. Okay, I'm going to time you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, and go. I, this movie's not for me. Like it clearly was not made for me. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like there's nothing super wrong with it. It just didn't capture me at all. But then I look at the cast and what they've done before, and I haven't really enjoyed their stuff before. But they've done really successful stuff. So I mean, Ludacris is in this movie, and at some point, someone makes a pun on the word Ludacris, um, even though his character in the movie is not called Ludacris. <laughs> um, Thirty seconds. But yeah, it's 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 fine it's all good like it's you know things happen santa shows up again um there's this weird like uh there's this weird kind of um uh family that drives around in a um in, in a van that like are obsessed with santa and somehow they manage to track him uh it, things like that happen and santa himself is a huge part of the movie he's very bizarre uh kind of funny but not Time. really but again, I think the, st- the the style of humor is just not culturally what I have grown up with. And so that's why I'm like, this movie is probably amazing for people who like that kind of humor um, and are what used to that on? sort of storytelling. This is on Disney+. Plus. And also, so Lil Rel Howery plays Santa. Yeah, right? who's yeah. he? He was in Get Out. He's the like TSA officer. His friend. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I reckon because I recognised him, and I was so. Like, I don't I mean to make a from? point of this, but three Black Santas across yeah. the streaming Christmas movies this year so far. Two white. Sure. That, yeah, I mean, I think they're making a point of it. That's and if, and well, if you uh, want me to, and if you'd like me to segue into this, we also have a, a half black Batman and um, Merry Little <laughs> Batman, which I could talk about for a minute now, if you like. Richard, uh, you if have that's permitted. forty-five seconds. Okay, so Merry Little Batman from uh, uh, um, Amazon Prime. I watched maybe an hour and 10 minutes and it's it's 90 minutes long and then I had to go and then I just never got back to finishing it. But it's essentially what if Home Alone happened to Batman's son, Damien, um, who, uh, as I mentioned before, is a um, mixed race character, which I I don't, I didn't know that. at least he is a bold this. choice it's for the name for a Batman son. Merry little bit, terrible name. So, um, no, 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 like Damien. Oh, that's that's comic lore though. That that goes back. Oh, is it okay? Comics, it's not yeah. like riffing off of the son of Satan. No, no. Um, but I will say the art style. So this is an animated film. The art style very unappealing, uh-huh. uh, and I that was part of why I didn't really want to keep watching it. It's Luke time. Wilson plays Batman. Um, and it's Home Alone, but with if it was with Batman's son. And my one little quirky point to point out here mm. is that it's a lot less fun to watch criminals getting beaten up by a little kid when that little kid 
has got billions of dollars to his name. Uh-huh. Like, in that, in that case, yeah, shouldn't this be about the criminals? Like, you yeah. know, Eat like, the like, because the, the, the people, but, but, but in this case, though, it's not like the criminals are the Joker and the Penguin. It's they're invented for the movie to be very, very, like, oblique references to Harry and Marv from oh. Home Alone. So, the, the Joker is in oh, it, played wow. by the Joker uh, is David it. Hornsby, which I think is that's great casting. But the the Vance Cromwell as as Alfred was good. Oh yeah, they also have um, uh, they're doing a TV series based on the film called Bat Family, so it's ah. kind of a backdoor pilot, I guess. Well, this this I really, will be the last really superhero movie then... I ever watch. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that they are not going to continue with that animation style because I literally did not watch this movie. Like I watched all other movies that we had on the list. I watched the trailer for this movie. I was like, I, I cannot watch a whole movie that yeah, looks like that. Yeah, it's so uninteresting. It's so rough. And yeah, I, I didn't like it either. You're right. Well, Jeremy, that concludes the AJ part of the podcast, and it's just us now. See you buddy. later, everybody. Uh, but Kakite, <laughs> it's been wonderful. Um, so. We've got two films left to talk about, Xmas, which is on Amazon Prime, and Genie, which is on Peacock, and I think we can do worst to best here. Three, two, one, Xmas. Yeah, Xmas was shit. And so, Xmas maybe should have been lower, like, and if we're truly going by Xmas is point. worse than Family Xmas. Switch. But we've all yeah, seen oh, Family definitely. Switch. So. And definitely worse than Candy Cane Lane as well. Yeah. So Xmas, like Xmas is one hundred percent in that like that hallmark, hallmark but not sort of hallmark thing. Kind of, so it's yeah, about a yeah. guy who surprises. He's just gone through this horrible breakup. He's horribly depressed on the other side of the country, and he decides, oh, you know, what? I'm going to surprise my family for Christmas. He shows up, and lo and behold, his family have invited his ex girlfriend to Christmas. Um, who you know, he's just fiance, gone through this horrible ex fiance. Yeah, he's just gone through this horrible breakup with last person he wanted to see, and you and know, not that, just sorry, not just a horrible breakup. She broke up with him. Yeah, and the family invited her to christmas and then they're all like oh what the fuck are you doing here and then they have a moment you of told being us you weren't gonna come this year yeah and then so for part of the film it turns into the zany comedy of like i'm gonna make you leave by christmas they, they do a bit which is then just never resolved i guess but they oh they do kind of talk about you so one it's, it's, it's like a is it a 10 thing no what is it a, a how to lose a guy in 10 days situation yeah almost where it's like i'm gonna yeah. be so unappealing but like so it's shit like um, he ruins her batch of cookies. She um, takes away a sign in the toilet that says he has to hold hold the flush for five seconds or the bathroom will flood. And it's all just like, this is this man's family. You you have to concede, Leighton Meester. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you don't get they, to do a zany comedy like- where you ruin your son's, rep- like the family's son's reputation. And also she never provided a reason why he broke up with her, why she broke up with him, sorry. And it's this interesting thing where, like, I felt this with Marriage Story as well, where I was, I watching Marriage Story, I was like, the Scarlett Johansson's character is too, is too obviously the bad guy, I thought. I talked to other people and they thought the other way around, Adam Driver is too obviously the bad guy. But I think is that- Adam Driver's in this movie. No, no, no. I'm talking no. about a mar- he's in Marriage Story. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> 
but that you like. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine it's like Leighton Meester oh and Adam Driver. Oh <laughs> but like, God. I think the thing with Marriage Story and like after talking it out with, with some people is that like you are told a lot of bad things Adam Driver did during their relationship, but you are shown a lot of bad things Scarlett Johansson does in over the course of their divorce. And it's like kind of a similar thing here where it's like, there's probably a little bit of an element of sexism to like different readings of marriage story. Um, you know, with like who you're willing well, to side biases, with and stuff. But I reckon that's biases, probably yeah, the yeah. point of the film. Yeah, exactly. But like the thing with that, it's, I, I kind of want, I want it to be like, you know, I'm trying to look at this as objectively as possible, but it's like Leighton Meester is just so in the wrong in this film that it's like, like she right. was the breaker up or it's not until like three quarters of the way film or the way through the film that you, uh, that it's revealed why she broke up with him. And it's not even really his, like he wasn't attentive enough because he had this high stress job and stuff like this. It's like, you could have talked about this, you know? Um, but instead she just tries to and like, funnily enough, destroy is, his family. That's actually, that's actually something that is going to get brought up in the next movie too. Mm. Can I just say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. idea that like I'm willing to walk away from this love relationship because you just work too much is essentially what it boils down to. Yeah, which like I think is so crazy. I watched an episode of Home Improvement last night. Um where it, uh? it, it dealt with this uh with this thing. It was it was like Tim and Jill hadn't been having many relations lately. They they said, you know, we need to have a weekend where we just fuck all weekend and they're gonna have this romantic weekend <laughs> Wait, what away show is this? <laughs> and um richard this is family guy you've mixed up home improvement with family. but they they go to this like night but then the day before they go they're like bud the new owner of binford tools is like we have to have this meeting about taking tool time to a bigger audience um it's at five o'clock on saturday he's like well i can't do that i've got this like romantic weekend he's like look you better be there pal and they get there and he's like okay i can slip away at five but then bud calls and it's like you have to have the meeting right now and he's like oh fuck and he ends up getting stuck in this like meeting and they meeting with this guy who wants to go for massages and get drunk and all this stuff and he does he goes through all this while trying to hide it from jill he keeps calling up to her room being like yeah i'm I'm stuck in this zany situation and then the resolution of the episode is just that the guy they're meeting finds out wait were you supposed to be having a meeting with your wife you should have said something to me like that would have been fine and jill was like why didn't you tell me that's what you're doing i would have understood (laughs) and that's the resolution of the episode um are we so for those who don't know richard has recently and unprovoked you know wasn't, wasn't pushed into this unprompted has decided ladies and gentlemen um to start just watching home improvement for fun mm. uh and he you'll re- fans of the podcast will know he did this with family guy about two years ago maybe even three years ago uh, no it was it was coming it was um new year's eve 2021 of course how could i forget the date you decided to become a family guy <laughs> no i remember um, because and- we were j- moving into our new house and we didn't have internet and i pulled out my family guy dvd from storage <laughs> <laughs> and so you recently also denounced family guy you said you're moving on from family guy and you're becoming a scrubs guy that lasted a week and a half and now you're a home improvement. to be fair Scrubs, I'm still a Scrubs guy, I still listen to the Scrubs podcast. The reason I don't go on about Scrubs as much is because I watched the series one and a half times in the course of like a month and needed something else to move on to because I was <laughs> I was just repeating myself with Scrubs. 
So anyway, I think that e- if even the tailors can reach an understanding of like work <laughs> and relationship balance, I think it's it, it's to like you say to throw away like an engagement over this, and also like seemingly it, without it is, talking it about inter- it as well. Yeah, it is. Inter- it is also intimated that there's really nothing else wrong with this relationship. That everything else is kind of firing on all cylinders. It's just that, she- and also she has these kind of unrealized dreams of being a baker and like opening up a, a food truck bakery mm. kind of thing. And she feels like he's not helping her enough with that. Like that, it turns out that's kind of like the thing she really needed to feel loved. Mm. And he was just busy getting a really great job and trying to get a promotion so that he could afford like to buy the house and have the children that they both wanted right and it's just it's it's just beyond belief that you could end an engagement without maybe delving into some of those issues hmm. like yeah so <laughs> that like, it is a surprise the thing is, like yeah. it's it's an entire surprise to him that that's actually what was going on later on in the movie yeah there is one scene of the film though where um they they get back after having a few drinks and they're just like I fucking hate you so much I hate you I hate you and they start making out they have real fucking hot sex and I was like okay cool this is this is good I can get into this but then they <laughs> Like the thing with this film is like it need Leighton Meester needed to be the main character. Like the ex needed to be the main character who's yes. like because it's just she's being so unreasonable on the film that it's like there is no re- there is no reason to get behind what she is doing, what the family are doing. And like cuz he he reacts badly to this. He's like, "Oh, the the person who just ripped out my heart and stomped on it is now being taken in by my family and now I'm having to spend Christmas with her." And they're like, "Hey, Come and on. we are seeing Come the on, situation through his eyes because yeah. we only discover this. We only discover this when he walks into the house, right? Yeah. And I completely agree with you. I hadn't even thought of that. If we had been with Leighton Meester when she received the call from his family and being like, "Hey, you know, we really miss you. We know that you don't have any family, and like." You know, we and and don't worry, our son isn't able to come to Christmas this year. He's working. Oh God, doesn't he work too much? Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And he promises us he's not going to be at Christmas this year. Would you mind? Like, we would love you to come. And seeing her like break down in tears and be like, "Oh, that would mean so much to me." Are you sure it's not too big of a deal? And then she goes to the house and there's all, the, and then all of a sudden he shows up and it's like, <gasps> well, and know, then like, also an he audience, has to think- then be in the wrong. There needs to be more reason for his family to be like, "We support." you sweetheart we'd like I, we're so sorry what our son did to you and then you can have the thing of like you broke my heart i'm going to ruin your relationship with your family instead it's like i'm yeah. just going to ruin like your relationship scene, with your family like the scene where because they just end up in this competition where like you know she's like well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna still be here on christmas day you're gonna get pushed out by the family no you're gonna get pushed out by the family all right let's see who wins that's like the setup and then she literally like the scene where that Richard talked about before, where she there's a sign on the t- on the toilet that basically says this toilet will flood if you don't hold the thing down for five seconds. She realizes she's in the toilet and the guy's about to come in next, so she hides this. She hides the sign. Then he floods the toilet. She comes back in. He goes out to try and get help from his family. She puts the sign back up there so that like the family will think, oh, you're an idiot. You can't read the sign. She causes probably like, I'd say tens of thousands of dollars of damage in terms of like flooding the entire floor of that of that thing i'm like that's not zany antics that's like psycho behavior and there is a there is a line 
in the movie before this when like the son says oh you don't know what she's really like just wait until you find out what she's really mm. like and in that scene i was like oh my gosh he was this right is like, this like, is yeah. crazy like yeah like the and film needs to end with them not reconciling but her being thrown out on her ass because she is so unreasonable because she does, t- I think she does two things that are at that level of like, oh no, that's not something a normal person does. Yeah. And then it's just kind of written off as hijinks and never talked about again because of <laughs> yeah. the massive tonal shift <laughs> yeah. that Richard is about to talk about. Yeah. So midway through, the, like, it's Christmas Day. They're like, hey, Leighton Meester, stick around. We're all going to go to the ice skating rink and they're just having so much fun and it's kind of like they're starting to bury the hatch and they're maybe not going to get back together but it's, you know the film's wrapping up and then it's just like oh why is dad lying on the ice dad dad <laughs> and then it's like um and then the son starts Surprise giving heart attack. starts giving him cpr and he's like call call an ambulance tell them a 63 year old man has had a heart attack we're doing cpr and then they go to the hospital and they're like yeah you saved his life by giving him cpr like he, he would have died had you not done that and then he's like fine and in, in the next scene they just they're running around town to get lane mesa but they're like oh hold hold on but yeah it does end with this big but there's and also there's absolutely gesture. zero kind of like foreshadowing that his dad has any kind of like any kind of medical mm. vulnerability at all like there's just it's just out of nowhere it's like oh well i guess he's old so it makes sense he would have a heart mm. attack like <laughs> yeah that's what all, that's like- what that's what dads do but the <laughs> i right, i'm i'm keen to to wrap this up i'm sweaty as fuck i've got very limited time to edit this podcast tomorrow and i jeremy frankly cannot wait to talk about this last film three two one oh genie. genie can i just stop you guys there i've just watched on silent while you guys were talking the trailer for white bird a wonder story are you guys, this this will be old news by the time the podcast comes out this just dropped i think a couple days ago you know the movie wonder with jacob Tremblay. oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 a oh, sequel the kid in the is coming astronaut out. Astronaut helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A sequel is coming out. I've watched it on mute, so I have zero context. But it looks like it's a flashback about. Yeah, it's a prequel. It's set in World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> it is the funniest, like the most off-putting, and like it just looks like a completely different movie that they've slapped. A, it's called White Bird, A Wonder Story. And it just looks like a completely different movie that they, they reckon is going to be more profitable if they package it as a Wonder sequel. Mm. So uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like, it's based on a book that's like, I think, part of a larger, like, you know. That's real. That's a real extension of like, the, from the minds that brought you. like yeah. From the twisted <laughs> mind of the guy that brought like- you Wonder. This looks like one of the strangest sequels we'll have seen in years, guys. Mm. Let's let's talk about this later. <laughs> anyway, uh, Genie. So this was released on Peacock, so it's actually not legally available in New Zealand. So uh, don't ask Ooh. how we watched it. But the oh, sorry, yeah, I uh, flew to America. Just a just a quick pricey, Jeremy. What is Genie about? Okay, so Genie is, and I didn't know this, but it's based on a Richard Curtis movie from 1990 um, called Bernard and the Genie, or Bernard and the Genie. Um, and essentially, uh, a, a guy uh, is... Um, a quick a pricey, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, met a guy at the beginning of a movie called Bernard. He um, basically is working too hard, working too much to appreciate his family. Um, and his wife, basically, after him missing his daughter's um, birthday because of his work, his wife leaves and moves out just before Christmas and says, you need some time to figure out what life is really about. Um, he ends up 
uh, rubbing a lamp that he didn't know contained a genie, meets a genie, hijinks ensue, the genie helps him to get whatever he wants, and in the end he realises what he really wants is his family. To go, yeah, and so he he's able to. He wishes that the film ends with him wishing the genie free because the genie says, "Common misconception: genies can actually grant unlimited wishes." But then his he's like, "My last wish is that you be free." And she's like, "Okay, well now this triggers the the end game of having a genie, which is that you get three extra wishes, you get three, and like rule free wishes." Says, basically, usually after someone gets rid of a genie, they realize that there were some things that they should have done. So we kind of cover this by giving you three wishes. Like, and so that's where the three wishes mythology it. comes from, which was a, like a Can fun I little say, thing. just say, yeah. not only did I not watch this one, I don't. I haven't seen a frame of it. Well, it's, it wasn't released in New Zealand, like. so like, why would you? Um, the Apparently genie is going to be available for um, rental and purchase yeah. in New Zealand in January, which is a great time uh, for a Christmas um, movie. The genie is Melissa McCarthy, just as herself. Um, she's not in any fun makeup or anything like that. But um, I, and I will also, say, um, yeah. playing playing the main character is. Um, uh, Papa, I can't remember his last Papa name, Roach. but he is no. Cut my life that. into um, pieces. <laughs> he is an, a brilliant actor. He was the he was one of the main characters in the second season of a UK like um, oh, I'm a uh, tech thriller called the the Capture. Oh, yeah. um, and by far and away, my favorite part of that season of the Capture, and he just was an absolute standout role for me. And so I saw him show up in this movie. I'm like, <gasps> no way, this is amazing. And his wife is played by um, an actress who is in the Gilded Age as um, like this. Um, she's a secretary but also a reporter for a black newspaper in the gilded age and she's amazing in that too and so it was just it was really interesting that you had these two actors who i'd seen in you know very random things Mm. uh, very random tv shows but i loved both of them and then they both end up in this movie and i thought well they're gonna make up for the fact that i can't stand melissa mccarthy Uh, and then i also loved melissa mccarthy in this movie she's so um, i will say that the thing i recognized um the main guy from uh papa you is he's the demon in the last episode of the new season of black mirror um demon 79 who was a very fun character but the um oh. but yeah melissa mccarthy fantastic at this film and watching it i was like you know what i think i love melissa mccarthy like I, yeah, she, she was very lovely when I interviewed her. I can say, but the um, she, oh, there's such a a warmth that she brings to like any character, and she is like a genuinely a fantastic actress. She's Oscar nominated a couple of times for Can You Forgive Me and for Bridesmaids, which is like you know a rare just like zany comedy nomination. But yeah, like there is this because she she starts to like just become part of his life other people can see her and she's just you know wandering around in street clothes and stuff like that but also is just doing like random bits of magic and people are like what the fuck but she has a little meet cute with her uh the doorman to his building is uh, played by mark Marin, and they sort of fall in love and then when she's free they end up together and yeah it's like this film and it's it's very i didn't realize until the end till it came up in the credits but it's written by richard curtis and yeah, just your classic sort of cute Richard Curtis film, like with uh, yeah, where you know, like same thing as like I've said this with like yesterday, where it's like this isn't an exploration of this premise and any you know real proper ramifications of this universe we live in. Way it is a cute love story with a uh, you know a 
dressed to the a clothes of a, a, yeah, a, a fun plot engine. But yeah, I, I, I actually really enjoyed this film way more than I thought I would. This is probably the second or third best <laughs> film we've ever watched for Netflixmas. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I was just, I, I finished this movie and I was like, holy crap. I would actually watch this again next Christmas. Yeah. Like that that's how like I would I would add this to my roster of Christmas films that make me feel really good about life and kind of the I, I and it made me think about okay what 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 do we want out of Christmas movies? Like why do we have these movies that we are attached to at this particular time of year? And I think and I think um Papa Isaju does such an incredible job of just like you see the yearning in his performance. Mm. Like his yearning is for those that he loves and his yearning is for his wife and for his daughter. And it's not cheesy. It's that there is a reality to it. There's a humanity to the way that he plays this character in the midst of him having a genie. Mm. Like, I mean, it's it's really interesting how that's such a, it's a preposterous situation and yet the groundedness that he brings to, and, and funnily enough, the groundedness that Melissa McCarthy adds into mm. it as well. Like she's playing this fantastical genie character who, and I think it's quite, it's quite clever because they very intentionally, I think there's a first time that i've seen a movie that involves a genie where the genie is not like african or arab um mm. or middle eastern in background and like i think they've very intentionally done that because in the first film um in the first iteration of this film from 1990 um bernard and the genie alan cumming played like the sort of main character and the genie was played by a black actor and um I think, and they sort of give Melissa McCarthy more of like a sort of a British Stone Age kind of background. Um, you see a, a random sort of flashback. Um, and the, yeah, like I think what you're reflecting on, Richard, like the humanity that uh, that Melissa McCarthy brings to the character of the genie, that there's such a fun and a zaniness to her, but she is always real. She's mm. never a like character. Like seeing her she's interact never... with Mark Maron and having these little flirty moments or seeing her interact yeah. with like his daughter. They have like these beautiful little moments and yeah, she's just so genuine. And she also, because of the character she's playing that, you know, she hasn't lived in modern time is that everything is new to her and she's got this childlike wonder yes. to her. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, so like it's a, a beautiful travel. film. There's a, yeah, there's a time travel mo- uh, element to this film where, like, she is a traveler from another time where she has to get used. And so, all the tropes of, like, you know, someone having to get used to like, what we do in the modern age, all of that is just done to perfection. Like, it's probably the best version of that kind of thing happening in a movie I've ever seen because she is just so inherently joyful in discovering things. And I think one of my favorite scenes in this is um, so, I mean, obviously, he's he's dealing with sort of the the worst moment of his life where his wife has basically taken his child and said like you need to sort yourself out she's living with her mother and it's in the lead up to christmas and he's genuinely thinking is this the complete end of my family and my marriage um and then he's dealing with that and then all of a sudden his family turn up at the door for like the family christmas and he'd completely forgotten about the fact that his family was showing up and they're like oh where's your wife and daughter and also who's this random woman and like at the split second he's like oh catering she's the catering person and so (laughs) then halfway through the family christmas he just comes clean and he's like right okay this is so awkward i i just want to get this done this is a genie and you all get one wish that's my christmas gift to you you just all get one wish and the way the family deal with the wishes they go down the line of like and each member of the family 
has a wish or like a riff off of the other person's wish, which so perfectly encapsulates their character of this tiny little bit part of the movie. And it is just so enjoyable to watch. The one of them's like, I wish you'd go to hell. And then they're like, someone else has to wish him back. Like, fine, I wish he'd come back. And he's actually like, has been like, you know, thousand yard stairs, still smoldering clothes. <laughs> he's smoking, yeah. <laughs> you know? But also, great, guys. And I can't believe I didn't watch the first good one we've had in, in like years. three Netflix misses. Yeah. It's, oh, I, I, like, AJ, I would it's still almost as if I message. Yeah. It's almost no. as if I mentioned in the group chat, hey guys, you need to watch Genie. It's definitely the best one this year. So it's funny because, like, <laughs> when you. It's almost like that. You're right. Yeah. It is almost when like that. When you talk during Netflixmas, I tend to just ignore everything you say, which is also why we're recording <laughs> this a week late because we, Asia and I both missed that we were supposed to record this last Friday. But the, like,. And also that I've I've said this to you, Jeremy, in the last few days. But like when you said like Naughty Nine was was decent or whatever, and I was like, Jeremy, you did not say I that. can't remember what one, but I was like, Jeremy, your sense of good and bad has been fucked up in the last month. I'm sorry. And so any recommendations you give, I don't trust. So I. <laughs> I was like sitting down to watch this movie. I was still expecting it to be bad or like good relative to Netflix miss. But no, this Jeremy. is a very cute movie. Yeah. Um, I just well, like stop the clock is still right twice a day, Richard. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard Curtis has a another Christmas movie he's written, which is coming out on Netflix next year called That Christmas, uh, which is a Christmas fantasy comedy. It's an animated one uh, created by Locksmith Animation, who did uh, their first film was Ron's Gone Wrong, uh, which came out in 2021. And yeah, I remember that. I remember not seeing that movie. Yeah, and it's being it's direct, directorial <laughs> debut of Simon Otto, who was um, head of character animation for uh, How to Train Your Dragon. He played Ron in Ron's Gone Wrong. No, I believe that was Zach Galifianakis, AJ. I apologise profusely. Guys, streamies Navidad. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and we'll end it there. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's that's our Christmas streaming roundup for this year. Will we do streamies Navidad next year, or was this still too hard? Mm. All of these questions will be hammered out and answered within the next 12 months. Uh, yeah. I hope... Listeners, Sometime in late November, this. we will work out the answer to that question. Wait, sometime ourselves. in lo- late November, when I have asked in the group chat at least six times, hey guys, can we set a date that we can record this on? Can we set a date? When do you need to have this podcast out, guys? We need to set a date. And then we set a date. And then I go on the day, hey Richard, I'll turn up at your house at 7.30. And both of you go, oh wait, are we recording today? Jeremy, in I our agree. defense, it's insane that it never came up in like That's three what I was weeks. Say. To be like, I agree. still on your December eighth. In your defense, in your defense, it's clear that I'm the only one who cares about this effing podcast. <laughs> so maybe we should just end it. Maybe we should just end it because it's just I, my little pet project. I want to clarify that I agree that Richard and I are in the wrong. But with that, I also think it is mind-boggling that at no point, a day before even, you mentioned anything. And also because AJ and I hadn't watched any of them, and you weren't yeah. like, better pick up your slack, guys. You didn't You didn't say, get up, Jingle you... Horse, Look... pick up your feet to us. <laughs> Look, 
I I think I'm the only one who like will message live chat as I'm watching each of these movies in the group chat. So I don't I don't expect. And I go mute notifications for two hours. Anyway, (laughs) I go mute notifications for two weeks and then check it when you're like, all right, so I'm on my way. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this, please follow us on all the places. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Popsha, and you can also donate to our Patreon if you like. We'll be doing a post credit scene after this, which I'll explain that then. Um, and join the Discord and tell us what your favourite streamies Navidad movie was this year. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week for the Vacation franchise. Yay! Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode. Review donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash culpopsha. You get to talk to us, you get to ask us to talk about or do a game or answer a question. Jeremy's still here. Richard's going to tell us the question. Who's it Today's question comes to us from Christopher. What? What? I actually just think that might be the first time you said my name the whole podcast. I don't think we introduced ourselves at the beginning I did, of the podcast. I did. I did. I specifically said... He called you as frenemy. You're my frenemy. I said you're my frenemy. That's right. That's right. And that's why I blanked it out because I was so <laughs> It was you, Your feelings were so hurt that you actually blanked it out. You had yeah. a trauma response. Yeah, I was just like, excuse me, former youth leader and that's it. <laughs> uh, today's question comes to us from Christopher Brown who writes, what film, if any, do you think could benefit from a remake by the filmmakers of your choice i like how he's given up the option to just be like none see you later <laughs> uh, i'm gonna well, well we pick i'm gonna pick bernie and the genie made by uh still crediting richard curtis as the writer um made by new people i reckon let's i'm gonna do a, a um a spin of a wheel here i'm gonna type in i'm gonna google uh i i think random what, uh, blockbuster I've got a random movie picker. I've got um, Mona Lisa Smile. (laughs) Oh, gosh, no. And I'm going to pick Random Director. This is so... Like, this is such a waste of his Patreon money. (laughs) You're not giving your own opinion at all. All right, right, and we got the director as Mike Newell. (laughs) I've got... (laughs) Here are the random directors in front of me. Lindsay Anderson, John Cassavetes, Clint Eastwood, Eric Roma, George A. Romero, and Robert Zemeckis. I think a good portion of those are dead, and some of them probably are going to die pretty soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably should die. If I've got anything to do about it. Um, but the I would say there's a lot of films, and it's interesting because you know we always meet remake film, like great films, but like we should remake bad films with good premises like like Mona Lisa 100% yeah and so yeah. like I, I I know there was something I've said on the podcast recently that is a great premise and it sucks that we've wasted on this film but the one that I always think about is Sausage Party that like Sausage Party fantastic idea for a film in the in the completely in the wrong hands I thought or even just a few small changes could have fixed that but like a Lord and Miller uh, like you know bringing the same sort of flavor they bought to 21 Jump Street to Sausage Party and also they've done incredible things in animation um, could be a lot of fun I think that the, the key thing that frustrated me about Sausage Party is that like you need to treat that movie so earnestly until the 
the axe comes down and you see what's actually happening in the great beyond to these food. But like the opening scene of the film is a hot dog being like, fuck yeah, I want to fucking come all over that bun's tits. And it's like, like you've, you, yeah, you've, you've, you've revealed too early. There's no shock value left later on because you've done this. Jeremy, you had your hand up. Um, I have one for this actually, um, quite a specific one. Um, and I'm just trying to get the director's name really annoying. Can't, um, so my movie is, my movie is Eragon. Um, that's a good answer. I loved, 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 loved the Eragon series of books, except for the last one. The last one kind of ruined everything. Um, but the Eragon movie was made before the last book had come out. And uh-huh. I was still in the full flush of like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever read. Obviously, it was in my early 20s. So like, you know, I didn't realize that it was a ripoff of all these other fantasy <laughs> books and much better fantasy books. But still, absolutely loved it. Like young male, like, you know, young male protagonist and like a really cool cast of characters. Don't have enough of them. them. <laughs> um, well, look, hey, I was a young male protagonist at the time, or at least I thought I was. Um, Turns out you were just a young male side character in my story, but you didn't. (laughs) I was a villain. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anti-hero. And I, yeah, it's just such a cool world. I just wanted to spend time in that world. And the first movie was just so, so bad. Like every single element was just like so poorly done and the decisions were just baffling. And so I just desperately wanted to see a better version of that done. And so, I mean, I was just like Spielberg, but that feels a little bit like on the nose of just like pick Spielberg to direct anything. But I was thinking, actually, um, I'm going to butcher his name. I can't figure out. I can't remember how to exactly say it. I think it's Miguel Sapnichik, um, the Game of Thrones director. I am. Um, Right. He directed a whole bunch of the really, really, um, really, really good Game of Thrones episodes. And I was like, look, if someone can do like fantasy and like fantasy battles with that level of reality and like grounding it, but also giving you like the full, the full noise fantasy elements, um, that would be amazing. So I would totally have Eragon remade. Nice. AJ, do you have a serious answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> 